My name is Julie Newmar, and you're listening to the great, big, beautiful podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... I am very proud of Marvel and Netflix for the work they did on Iron Fist. And what doesn't get discussed often is that there's so many Asian American actors who had significant roles on the show. And I think that that has not been really acknowledged uh, because of this other piece of the story about um, the character of Danny Rand. Here's your host, Jamie Green. Welcome back to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook and thereabouts at thegbbpodcast. I'm your host, Jamie Green. You can find me everywhere at The Roarbots. And thanks for coming back. It is a pleasure to be talking to you once again this week. This week, I had the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, of talking to Christine Toy Johnson. Christine, if you watched the second season of Iron Fist, you might have recognized her there. She played the role of Sherry Yang. If you are a fan of Broadway, you may have seen her in a number of different shows. Currently, she is in the touring company for Come From Away. Welcome to the rock, If you're not familiar with Come From Away, let me enlighten you just a little bit. This show tells the true, somewhat unfamiliar story of some 7,000 passengers who were in the air on 9-11 when the attacks happened. And those 7,000 passengers on 30-some flights, I believe, um, were they, every, every plane that was in the air had to be grounded and had to come down and make an emergency landing. And these people all landed in a very small town in the middle of Newfoundland, Gander, Gander, Newfoundland. Welcome to the land where the winter strike to kill us and we said, we will not be killed. Welcome to the land where the water strike to drown us and we said, we will not be drowned. Welcome to the land where we lost our loved ones and we said, we will still go on. Welcome to the land where the wind tried to blow and we the show sort of tells the story about, you know, 7,000 strangers who came together in this terrible circumstance and, you know, cell phones were down and the internet wasn't really working and and it uh, tells the personal stories of, of a number of these passengers and what happened to them during the, the, the week or so that they were, you know, stranded in the middle of Newfoundland. And, you know, relationships were formed, relationships were broken, and it uh, it is a very, despite being set on 9-11, it is an uplifting story, ultimately. It's, it's a very emotional story, um, but it's ultimately life-affirming, I think. Um, anyway, Christine is playing the role of Diane, and she is uh, one of the main characters, and she is 
one of the characters who gets to be fairly close with one of these other passengers that started off as a stranger and ends up as maybe something a little bit more. She's in the touring company, like I said, so that's currently traveling all around the United States, so do check out uh, the website and see if it's coming near you. I would highly recommend it. I unfortunately have not seen the show live yet. I've, I've listened to the, the soundtrack, the original cast recording, a number of times, and it's great, uh, but I've not seen the show, and I've heard that the show is just uh, amazing live, so it is pretty high on my list of shows to see. Um, but I had a great conversation with Christine. We talk, uh, she, she kind of grew up in the whole Broadway scene. She grew up near New York. So, um, she was a regular, I guess, even as at a young age, a regular in the audience of, of Broadway shows and fell in love with theater at a, at a young age. So we talk a bit about her upbringing and, and what drew her to Broadway and performing, uh, we talk about, you know, her acting, her singing. She's also a writer. She's a playwright. She's written a number of different plays. We talk about what she's working on now. We talk a lot about Come From Away and, and the story and the show and, and the current tour, touring company that she's in. We talk about Iron Fist and we talk about some of the, uh, I guess, controversies surrounding that show and, and, and the things that she loved about the show that she wanted to shine a spotlight on. And, uh, and where we go from here. And she is also a vocal advocate for representation, particularly among Asian Americans. So we talk, um, gosh, about everything. It's just, we had such a great wide-ranging conversation. Um, I'm going to shut up now so we can get right into it. And uh, do enjoy. It. Go check out Iron Fist. Go check out Come From Away. Go check out everything that Christine is doing. Um, maybe look to see if any of her shows are being performed near you. And thank you guys, really, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for coming back week after week. It really does make a huge difference. Uh, you know, talk about us. Tell your friends about us. Leave us reviews wherever it is that you download the show, whether that's iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or, or wherever, Stitcher, anywhere that you get the show. Leave us a review. Just say hey. Um, it, it does help other people find the show. And I really do appreciate you subscribing and coming back and doing what you're doing and just being there. I really, I really love having you guys aboard for this journey. And I uh, can't wait for you to see what's coming up in the new year. we got a lot of great interviews, a lot of great episodes lined up, and I can't wait to bring them all to you. So here's to rounding out the year. we got just a few more weeks left in 2018, and we got great stuff coming up. I do guarantee that. So thank you guys so much, and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Welcome to the park, welcome to the trees, to the ocean and the sky and whatever's in between. To the ones who've left, you're never truly gone. Our candles in the window and the candles always on. When the sun is coming up and the world is coming short. If you're hoping for a harbor, then you'll find an open door. In the winter from the water, through whatever's in the way. To the ones who have come from away, welcome to the rock. So one of the things that I found really interesting as I did my homework and, and read up on you is that you're an actor, uh, you're you're a writer, you're a singer, you're probably 13,000 different other things. <laughs> what, what drew you to this life? Was performing something that you just naturally gravitated toward when you were younger? Yes. I, <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Um, I was one of those kids who... Uh, would put on a, a theatrical version of the 12 days of Christmas for my parents, captive holiday guests, you know, nice. when I was, when I was a child, you know, so there was no stopping me after that. Um, I really don't remember any wanting to do anything else. So 
Um, I was lucky enough to have an incredibly supportive family. I still do. And um, I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. So I um, I was able to go see Broadway shows from a very young age and, and just uh, dream on from there. Yeah. Do you remember what your first show was? You know, I think... My memory says it was 1776, which is a really, really long time ago, (laughs) but I don't really remember the show, so I'm not sure if that's an accurate memory, but um, I was very influenced by so many of, um, without without telling you or anybody in the world my age, um, (laughs) I I was very influenced by a lot of the musicals in the late 70s. That was like a sort of a big uh, light bulb moment for me to, to see the shows. And because I lived so close by, I could take the train in with my mom and, um, and go to see tons and tons of shows and wait at the stage door and get autographs and all of those things that um, just really influenced my love of the theater Yeah, uh, from, from then on. Do you, did, did your parents take you because they knew you liked performing and you were a little performer or did did going to the shows um, sort of influence what you thought you wanted to become from a young age or was it a little bit of both I think it's a little bit of both because as I said I did start performing at a very young age and actually I was also a child model oh wow when I was um yeah when I was in nursery school <laughs> um the uh, the um principal, I think that's what you would call it, uh, the, the head of the of a nursery mm-hmm. school, I'm not sure. But her sister uh, had a modeling agency. And one day, I, I, just, I remember this very clearly. One day, uh, they, they introduced her and said, uh, she's going to talk to a few of you uh, about maybe doing some modeling. And I, I do recall thinking, oh, well, it won't be me. And I was one of the two or three kids that were picked. And um, my mom and I would make a, she, my mom was never a stage mother. She was just was like, well, this sounds like something fun for mm-hmm. us. And we were living, um, about a half an hour by train away from, from New York city. So we would just make an outing of it to go to, um, auditions and, uh, take the train in and have an orange Julius from Grand Central Station <laughs> and go to the audition. And if I got fine, if I didn't fine, and I ended up doing, um, a bunch of different jobs then when I, I think I was like four or five years old. And, um, so and I just remember it as being a very fun period of time. But then after that, just being interested in doing the school play and uh, then studying, you know, going to dance class uh, since I was very little and, and eventually singing lessons and acting lessons when I was a little older when I, and I could really um, understand what, what it was all about. Um, so I think it was kind of a combination of, of both things happening. Yeah. It sounds like you had very supportive parents, but who didn't push the life on you. Oh, for sure. They were, they were just, um, you know, they always were open to what I was interested in. And, um, they were very encouraging of me going to college, which I did do, even though I had started working professionally in the theater, uh, before I graduated from high school. Um, but they, they've always been my biggest supporters. They fly all over the country to see me perform. And um, they've, my mom has seen the entire uh, Iron Fist series at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, you say traveling all around the country and you are 
uh, touring right now with Come From Away. What what was your right. history with the show before you got the role? Had you seen it on Broadway? Were you a fan? Um, so I am uh, a, a Tony voter. I vote for the Tony Awards. I've been doing it for a very long time uh, because of my um, my affiliation as a part of the elected leadership of, of Actors' Equity and also the Drama Skills. Um, that's who makes up the, the Tony voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had seen Come From Away um, during the Tony viewing period, and, and of course I loved it then. And I... I um, I don't think I ever imagined that I would be in the show for some reason. I, it's, uh, but when I got the call to audition from my agent, I was really delighted. And um, in the middle of all of the auditions, which happened in uh, late spring of this year, I was um, shooting uh, Iron Fist up sort of heavily. So I wasn't actually even sure that I would have a chance to attend the auditions. But um it worked out. I mean, I think it's really, uh, I believe in, uh, in uh, the uh, timing is everything and also uh, a, a little bit of fate, you know. Yeah. And so I think I was, I was destined to be where I am right now. And so I was able to, um, my shooting schedule actually on the day of the first audition happened to shift. So I was able to go. And then uh, for the callback also, I uh, finished um, another project I was working on and, and was able to go. And so uh, I... I'm just thrilled to um, join the company and this company that I'm in, this national tour, it's um, none of us have done the show before. So we all learned it together and um, that was an exciting experience. And now we are, are, um, we are opening in Los Angeles tomorrow night and uh, it's just our fourth city on the tour. Uh, So far it's been absolutely thrilling. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts of the show uh, I guess that first time you saw it for voting purposes. Well, you know, it struck me how much heart it had and has. And being a New Yorker, um, the story, uh, the, the story surrounding 9-11 uh, certainly mean a lot to me. And it was just so interesting to see a different perspective of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself on 9-11-2001 was working on a job in Las Vegas and trying to get home. And it took me um, several days on a bus to get back to New York City. And so I, um, I immediately connected with that, uh, that feeling that a lot of the characters are going through in Come From Away of trying to get home. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, thinking back, the, the ability of people to really connect with each other and um, and extend kindness and generosity uh, as a as a reaction you know that's that I think you, that people can react to tragedies and horrible situations in so many different ways um, and I was lucky enough to be um, in the company of, of people straight complete strangers uh, and it would in a different situation of course than the people in gander but um, I was lucky enough to also be surrounded by people who were really compassionate and wanted to take care of each other and make sure that that we could get home to our loved ones yeah. um, as quickly as, as possible. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, for the touring company right now, you and everybody else, this is the first time that you have done the show. Did did you guys do any sort of like special prep for the roles? Did you actually go to Gander at all just to get like sort of like a, a better feel for what it might have been like for them? 
You know, I wish that I had had a chance to do that, and I certainly will visit in sometime in the future. Um, our production stage manager did go, uh, and one of our standbys had a chance to go as well. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, the rest of us just yeah. didn't have that opportunity. But um, I did uh, get a chance to talk to the the real couple that uh, my character and uh, oh wow the character yeah is based on um, my character and the and the person she falls in love with um, and in fact they're coming to town uh, they're on their way to Los Angeles for the opening right now and I'm going to see them this evening so I'm, re- oh, I'm really uh, excited because they're they're wonderful wonderful delightful people and I I just love that. They, uh, you know, I read actually I read this in the in the LA Times today that they said um, they've seen the show like 83 times. Oh my goodness! And every time, yeah, every time they see it, it uh, Diane said Diane is a character I play. Uh, Diane, the real Diane said it's like we're renewing our vows. Oh, that's so Isn't that sweet. The most amazing thing. <laughs> I know. I know. So it's I, it's like such a great honor to get to tell their story in that in the way that it's um, that it's embroidered into Come From Away and um, uh, just delightful to, yeah. to get to really um, talk to them for real. But so anyway, I did talk to them ahead of time before yeah. rehearsal started and uh, read a lot about um, the, the different stories that were happening. Uh, you know, the show is based on all of the, the uh, our writers, Irene Sankoff and David Hine. They, they did uh, interviews with hundred, up like 100 people. And so, of course, not every story is in the play, but um, all of the stories are based on on what they heard. And some of the characters are composite characters, mm-hmm. but um, uh, it's really moving to know that you're telling these these stories that really happened. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I will give a hearty endorsement of going to Newfoundland, though. I was actually just there. Oh, you've I was, been. I was just there this summer. We. Uh, we oh, uh, we wow. took a family road trip that got a little out of control, and we drove to Newfoundland. So, <laughs> wait a minute. So you you didn't intend to go there, but you ended up at the northeast tip of the continent. Well, okay. So I live uh, near DC. I live in Maryland, just outside of Washington DC. Okay. And the original right. plan was to just kind of take a, a week or so and go up to Boston because my kids hadn't been to Boston before. And I am the kind of person who will sit down and look at a map and be like, "Well, that's just here, and that's just a little bit farther." And that's just a little bit farther than that. And we ended up going to Newfoundland and not even going to Boston at all. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. We, so we, I did not... I hear the, the... Go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, I did well, not get to Gander, but we did go all the way up. We stayed on the western side of the island and we went all the way up to the northern tip. And it is, it is a remarkable, remarkable place. Oh my goodness, that's so wonderful to hear. I hear that the tourism has really spiked. Yeah, <laughs> I would bet. And um, and that's wonderful. And I, you know, of course, I've just seen photos and um, some footage. Oh, there's this beautiful documentary that hopefully will will uh, be released in in um, in the United States soon. It's uh, was uh, produced by HBO Canada. It's called You Are Here, and it's about this story in Come From Away, and then it, all all the way through the Broadway opening. Uh, of the show 
And um, it's, I highly recommend it. If, uh, as I said, it, I hopefully yeah. it will come to to the United States. But it, so there, I got to see a lot of footage of how yeah. beautiful it is, and of course, just seeing the people interviewed. And then uh, for the op- our opening in Seattle, the producers flew in as many of the Ganderites and come from ways that are that the story that the play is based on to Seattle for the opening. And so we had a chance to hang out with them a little bit and really get to know um, just their uh, beautiful generosity and just um it was fantastic and so and now we were part of this larger community that stays in touch and uh it's really life-changing you know it really teaches you that if you are intentional about your kindness it just keeps growing and and it makes you want to be a better and better person yeah it's really something i I wanted to ask you about just the performing aspect of it you know so i mean I think it's amazing when I when I think about the rigor involved of being a Broadway performer, where you have to go out six or seven times a week right. sometimes and just do the eight, si- eight. eight sometimes, yeah, that, but, <laughs> and give give a hundred percent every single time. Yeah. But with yeah. a touring show, you have to do I don't know how many you do a week, but you have to add travel on top of all that too. Right. How quickly do you burn out? Well, hopefully not too quickly. <laughs> uh, we actually do eight. We do eight a week. Uh, that's the normal schedule. Uh, it, Thanksgiving week was especially challenging. We were in Denver with the, the and the high altitude. That's a whole other story. But we um, we had uh, we just came off of because we had Thanksgiving day off. We did one Tuesday night, one Wednesday night. Uh, and then two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday, wow. and got on the plane yesterday to come to Los Angeles. So um, yeah, it is it is uh, quite an athletic feat, <laughs> um, you know. And so I think that um, we just have all figure out what works the best for us. Self care is really important, you know. Getting a, enough sleep and um, eating well and exercising and doing all of those things that a person should do anyway for their for their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are when you are, your job is to be um, at your optimal for this concentrated period of time. Uh, for for a person like me, I get up really early, so to to be working at night is also something that I have to consider how to figure out. Um, you know, making sure that I I can be at my uh, my peak performance level mm-hmm. um, at seven thirty or eight o'clock at night. Um, so I think that also though uh, the question of burnout um, to to answer that um, it's not only a matter of of navigating your own self-care and, and, um, and nurturing of your own energy, but also to, with this show in particular, to stay fresh and in the moment of, of the storytelling is not only, uh, necessary, but it's also deeply satisfying. So I think that it's, um, it's not easy in the sense of, um, it's, it doesn't take any work, but it is not difficult to want to tell the story over and over again and, and, uh, go through the arc of it and, um, and, and deliver this message. Um, so, so I would say that, um, it is important to be conscious of the possibility of burnout, but I think, uh, uh, we figure it out. We figure out how to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And and do things like on our day off where we really unplug and um, 
But I tell you, this show, uh, I've been doing this for a very, very long time, and I can't remember the last time that I felt so, well, no, that's, not, that's not absolutely true. Uh, this, I've not, I have not done a long run like this for a while, so I can't remember the last time I did a really long run, too, where, where I just am so energized every time mm. that I hear the first bow run drum beat, yeah. and, uh, and we just, you know, here we go, we're going to tell the story. You we're getting on the train. We're not getting off for an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> and at the end, it will be really uh, exhausting but deeply satisfying. Yeah, I mean, as hard as it is to believe, nine eleven was seventeen years ago now. I mean, I, I know. it still kind of just feels like yesterday. And what yeah. um, what's amazing when you think about that is that kids are graduating high school who were born after that happened. So it's right. it's it's basically like the Vietnam War for them. It, it has no relation to their lives. Do you think that this show makes the events of that day relevant to them at all? I absolutely do, actually, because um, we've been meeting so many young people after the show who wait to to speak to us, to, you know, take selfies, to mm-hmm. get autographs, to just say hello. And they are, the majority of them, I would say, are late teens or in college, you know, in their, in their um, early 20s, so yeah. that they, even if they were born at the time, they would not have been uh, of the age where they would understand what was happening. And we've heard so much from them about how the story affected them and they have questions, you know, about how, how it affects us and and what it means to us. Um, so I do think that it has given them this kind of lens through which to look at the story, uh, that is different from, uh, than any, you know, uh, kind of news article or, or, or program that they could see about it. And, um, that's been that's been quite uh, something to see. Yeah, I mean, but the flip side of that is for those of us who did live through it, whether we were personally mm-hmm. affected or not. I have not seen the show live; I've only listened to the recording. But do you think that those people come away with a new understanding of the day because it's telling a completely different story that we haven't heard before? Right. I do think they see a different um, part of it. Um, not only, uh, well, so I remember very clearly when I saw it, one of the most striking things to me was watch, uh, this, there's a scene that the audience sees the characters, um, watching the television footage mm-hmm. of what happened. And I think it's so brilliantly done in the show because we don't see any footage ever, but we see the people's faces as they experience it. And that struck me so deeply because I think we all have a different experience with, with how we got the news, how we witnessed, uh, witnessed what was happening. Uh, most, most people I know from uh, actually watching the images live on television. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know what, I'm sorry, I just forgot the beginning of your question. <laughs> I got involved with telling you that part of the story. No, it was you were answering it. It was how those of us who live through it, whether it bring the show brings a, a fresh understanding of, of yeah. the day to to to, yeah. to how okay, we so, think about so, it. Right. So part two of that answer then is, um, you know, I think that for those of us, especially who, um, especially for those who lived in, close to where Washington D.C. and and New York City, where where those events happened. Um, there, it was very difficult not to have feelings about 
the terrorists. It mm-hmm. still is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and also um, fear that's attached to what could happen next. Or, you know, I think for a lot of us in New York City, we are we always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And um, I think it was the next year. It was maybe two, I think it was 2002 um, when there was the big blackout in New York City during the summer. I was rehearsing a show. Yeah. And I remember thinking, uh, uh, I was in rehearsal and our stage manager said, we're, we're ending rehearsal right now so you all can get home, but there's no power. And we, and we looked out on the windows, saw all the people in the streets. And then he said, uh, so it's apparently the power is out all through, uh, Canada as well, or this part, you know, that's, that's in line with the Eastern seaboard. And I remember all of us thinking, oh, okay, uh, it's not a terrorist action then. It's something else mm-hmm. because, Nobody's mad at Canada, and so I mean, I, 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 um, but but uh, but seriously, the the um, the feeling that okay, it's not the other shoe dropping; it's it's something that's happened in the power grid. Yeah. Um, so I think that that experience was is very um, real for so many people. And so to get back to your question, to see a different aspect of what happened to other people and the, the kindness, generosity, the, the, the openness that the people of uh, Newfoundland showed to all of these strangers who came to their towns, it just reminds you of, 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 the, of the goodness of people in reaction to things like this. And so I, for me, definitely it has given me a, a different lens through which to see the story and one that I feel um, is so... Um, healing to to know about even even 17 years later yeah yeah shifting gears a little bit um in addition to acting and writing acting and singing you are also a playwright and you've written a number of different plays so I guess I want to ask what inspires you to write do you write plays that you want to see or plays that you want to be in well, you know what? I think like a lot of actors and a lot of actors of color that started writing because it's just from talking to to people. I think I I began to write because I wasn't seeing stories about people like me mm-hmm. um, that were uh, um, in the theater or film and television. And and in the very beginning, my very first thing that I wrote was something for myself to be in. Um, it was a short film. I was on the road with, with a flower drum song, um, the national tour. And um, so I was able to put, put aside some money. And when I came back from the tour, I said, let's shoot it. Let's, my, and my husband's a filmmaker. So we shot this short film with 29 actors in it. <laughs> 15 minutes out with 29 actors in it. And, um, and, but then after that, I real, and I, and I did fear that I wouldn't have anything else to say, you know, with right. a story about, um, sort of like uh, in, the inadvertent, uh, kind of unfortunately racist things that some people say, and, and especially in this industry. And then I realized quickly that I actually did have a lot more to say and that I didn't want to write for myself. I wanted to, uh, I didn't want that to be the focus. And I actually have not written anything for myself since then. And that was, uh, really? 2002 when I started that. I do, sometimes I have, it's been convenient that I'm an actor and a singer because I can, I can, uh, read things out loud as I'm writing them so that I know, know if the dialogue feels good. And I've sung for, uh, I, I write um, musicals too, book and lyrics. So, and I've been able to sing um, songs that I've written with my collaborator, 
collaborators for demos or just um, to make sure it's singable. You know, mm-hmm. so those things are come in very handy. But um, what inspires me to write? It's, it's different all the time. I mean, when I first started, I, I definitely was writing a lot of um, intentionally writing about Asian American people that that. Um, were, had experiences similar to mine in that I'm sixth generation on my mother's side. So my my fa- my family started coming over here in the 1860s, um, and I've always had a sort of a, uh, a visceral reaction to people assuming that there's this perpetual foreigner assumption of right. a lot of Asian American people, and so um, so I. I would make sure that I was writing uh, sort of about my family or about other Asian American people that had um, a, a long history in in America. And um, since uh, since then, though, I've still I've written a, a lot about my family and about other stories that I've uh, been inspired by 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 uh, like hearing about them or in the news or something. And so I really. I've really I've written a ton of plays, screenplays, musicals, some television stuff, and now it's it's there is really no set answer to what inspires me to write. It's some a story will hit me, and it's usually um, has to do with the humanity that's illuminated in it. There, um, so that it, uh, I am working on something new right now that was brought to me by someone, a, a, a seed of an idea. and uh, But other than that, yeah, the, it just depends on um, what strikes me about the people and the relationships and their 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 uh, personal uh, wounds and how they're navigating them. Can you talk about what you're writing right now? Uh, well, you know, it's too early really to yeah. tell you about that, but I will tell you about something else that, um, that a musical of mine that is, um, sort of uh, running, running around looking for a home. <laughs> um, I, I wrote this musical called Till Soon Anne. Um, I wrote the book and lyrics with an incredible composer named Bobby Cronin. We have actually collaborated on quite a few things. And this is, a, this is an example of what inspires, what inspires me sometimes. So we had written a, a couple of short films, uh, musical films, um, on assignment from the New York Film Academy. And we said, you know, we, we work so well together, let's find a topic for a full-length musical. What is it going to be? I don't know. What is it going to be? And so one day he sent me a newspaper article um, about a woman who had, uh, was at the end of her journey with ALS, and she wanted to throw a like this weekend party for her closest friends and family and after which she exercises to write her her right to die mm-hmm. and it just we both cried for you know for so much reading the beauty of of the intention of of trying to connect her her friends and and saying goodbye but not in a morbid way really in a celebratory way and so against all odds I know it doesn't it might not sound like a topic for a musical but we wrote this show, and we 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 also uh, were looking at the story of Brittany Maynard, who is a young woman you might remember uh, reading about several years ago, who had brain cancer, who who also um, had decided when she was going to exercise her right to die, so that she was still able to make the decision when she could. And and um, and there are only I think there are six states in in the United States that um, yeah. where this is legal. So um, that's basic. Oh, basically, our story is about a young woman at the end of her journey with brain cancer who throws this party for her friends and family and to us really about the celebration of the life you're given and the life you have and uh, the enduring 
um, the enduring power of, of love between friends and family. That's beautiful. So that's um, something that's, that we're working on, yes. Has, has it been performed yet, or is it still you guys well, just finished working done, on it? Um, well, we, we've, we've uh, you know, the life of a musical is very, very long in yeah. terms of when it, when it takes, uh, you know, from the first idea to the stage. We have had a couple of um, with uh, public uh, performances of parts of it, or, or we did a reading of it in April in New York, this coming Monday in New York. I'm sorry I'm going to miss it, but I'm going to be just sort of channeling, channeling <laughs> it. Um, we're, we're doing uh, 30 minutes of it through this uh, place in New York City called New York Theater Barn. Um, so, uh, our agent, we, uh, Bobby and I are represented by the same literary agent. And so he is, he is, uh, trying to, to get it out into the world and to see, a, to find a home. Cause that's, that's the other thing with, with any player musical to find the right place for it to, to make its, its, um, world premiere and then, and then hopefully have a life after that. Yeah. Um, you've, you touched on this in your, in a couple of your answers. I know you're a vocal advocate for inclusion um, and, and representation yeah. in, in everything that you do. So I am curious uh, what your take is on the Iron Fist character and the show, um, especially because you were a big part of the second season. Um, I guess the way right. I want to ask this is that despite the the comic book history of that character in, in how he had traditionally been written as sort of like this quote-unquote white savior... Do you think that Marvel, in your personal, not professional, in your personal opinion, do you think that they should have taken this opportunity when they created the show as an opportunity to, to rethink the character or tell a more relevant story, culturally speaking, for 2018? I'm actually really glad you're asking this question because I think that this has come up in certain ways. And, um, and, and look, it's really hard for me to, to separate my feelings for the show Truly, because I I am a big I am a big fan of everyone who worked on Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. I have the deepest respect for all of the writers and actors and 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 team. I mean, you know, it takes so many people to to make a series happen. Um, I I am very proud of Marvel and Netflix for the work they did on Iron Fist. And what doesn't get discussed often, and and I would get back to your original question, mm-hmm. but what doesn't get discussed often is that. There were so many Asian American characters on the show. Yeah. In in the um, Jessica Hennick, Sasha Dawan, there you know Asian American people. Then then in the supporting the supporting cast, myself and uh, uh, James Chen, and um, you know, I'm going to forget all the people's names. But there's so many Asian American actors who had significant roles on the show, and I think that that has not been. Um, really acknowledged uh, because of this other piece of the story about um, Danny, the character of Danny Rand. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that yeah, the the um, all of their the Marvel series have been fairly true to major aspects of the comic books. Now I know not all, and uh, I uh, my husband actually is big a big fan of all of the Marvel comic books and was the one who, who was able to tell me more about Iron Fist than I, than I knew at all when mm-hmm. I first started the show. And I know that there are very, very different things about the, the origin story and, and everything, but I do feel that they, um, they did rethink a lot of it well, while still keeping the Danny Rand character looking like he was originally drawn and created. 
um, that they they did include uh, Jessica's character and Sasha's character and and infused all of the 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 Chinatown storylines and the other parts surrounding it with with non stereotypical characters. So mm-hmm. I I want to give them that credit. Um, so uh, and I have great respect for for Finn Jones. I think he he's just a wonderful person and actor and um i would i would never want to take anything away from his mm-hmm. contribution to the show and um and and how the writers uh built the story of him not being actually a white savior in especially not in the sec- second season i mean i think the first season um the the origin story placed him in a certain way but i i still don't think that i never took it as um him being um, saving Colleen or, or um, him being the only person that we should look up to in the series. Um, so that's, that's sort of my long winded answer yeah. to, to all of that. Yeah. Does that well, make sense? It absolutely made sense. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what was the audition process like for that? I mean, you said, did you, did you know, cause I don't know how much secrecy is around these things. Did you even know what it was when you were so auditioning? Much. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, is that um, for TV auditions especially, um, you don't get very much time to, uh, to prep. Uh, I think I might have had two days, which is long, actually, uh-huh. um, <laughs> to get the call, between getting the call for the audition and going in. And so they, um, they send over, uh, they almost never will send a full script unless it's a pilot. So this being the second season, I did not get the full script. I got a scene. And um, the, the name of the show wasn't even the real name of the show. Mm-hmm. They, made up, they made up the name of the show. They made up my character and also the people in the scene. And now the scene that it happened to be uh, is the first scene that I'm introduced in, in episode two. But they had changed the names of everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... so um, I I heard that it was a Marvel show. That's all I knew. Uh-huh. And uh, so I tried to watch, uh, you know, various shows to see <laughs> what the tone was. You tried to just binge and, them all, uh, didn't I, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in like two days, which is kind of impossible. But um, but just to get the tone of it, you know, yeah. to, to see that's that's sort of our first job is like, what's the world of the story where, where, you know, is it, because of course, you know, a sitcom reads a different way than a, than a, than a medical drama, right. you know, and, and et cetera. Um, so it, it's pretty challenging, you know, to have to make some really good choices for an audition when you don't have the context. And I, I'm the kind of actor that's been trained in um, mining the subtext and really doing research and, um, and, and trying to find all of the clues. And when you don't have a lot of clues available, <laughs> you just, you just have to, you know, make some, some leaps of faith. And, and so, um, I did that. I went in and I think it was the very next day. Um, I went in on, on tape for one of the casting directors and, um, the very next day my agent called and said the, the, the lead casting director who I had not met would like you to come in so she can um, work with you a little bit on, 
the scene and, and, and do it again. I was like, great, that's fantastic, because then mm-hmm. you have a chance to hopefully ask some questions. And, and so I went in, and she said, um, uh, Julie Schubert is her name. She's amazing. She said, um, I just want to give you some context. I said, thank you, that's fantastic. You know, and, but she still didn't give me any real um, information, mm-hmm. but, but she gave me more information about what the writers envisioned the character to be, because my character is not from the comic books. It was, it was created for the show. And so uh, we did that, and, and uh, a couple of days later, I, I heard that I got the part, and uh, it was a uh, writer, right, sort of around this time, maybe a little later, I think, I think December 8th is when I found out. I remember that, because uh, uh, it was very clear to me that, um, and, and I, at the time, it was for three episodes, although I'd heard it would be maybe a, a slightly longer arc, mm-hmm. and I ended up doing seven out of the ten. So it was uh, just uh, so exciting and um, a really great way to yeah. have uh, Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'll bet. <laughs> it's yeah. like a yeah. great yeah. present yeah. right there. <laughs> it was a great present, yeah. And I ended up shooting from uh, the beginning of, basically the beginning of January, through the very end of April. Um, did you have an opportunity this year at all to sort of get enmeshed in that, that Comic-Con culture or like sort of, you know... The, the... Not yet. Yeah. I, yeah, not yet. I hope to. I would really, I really want to do that. Um, but uh, because... So the show came out September 7th mm-hmm. um, and I was already in rehearsal for Come From Away. So uh, I've been doing a bunch of... Um, a bunch of press, you know, talking to people about about the show and everything since then, but um, I haven't had a chance yet to get involved. Yeah. Uh, with, You've been uh, busy meeting, meeting the. Yeah, I've been busy, <laughs> but I'm hoping that next year. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that next year I can get to some of them and and meet the people because um, I think it's you know the Marvel universe is it's something else, right? Um, and I appreciate I appreciate the um, the enthusiasm that that people have for the show. And of course, I'm really um, sad and disappointed that there will be no season three for Iron Fist, but you know, you never know where these characters will show up. And I'm, I'm, you know, not so secretly hoping no, that, and um, it's... that Sarah, Sarah Yang will, will show up somewhere else. You know, <laughs> Exactly. These, these cancellations of the Netflix shows are really just paving the way for Disney to pull everything over to their own streaming service. And who knows what life all these characters <laughs> will get know. over there. Exactly. This is something I learned from oh, from being in show business for a long time. You just never know. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. You know, just keep doing the work and uh, and putting your message out there, and and uh, and some something something good will happen. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. <laughs>